This episode of Riveting Reads is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. We already know you guys like good stories. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash rivetingreads and browse their unmatched selection of audio programs. Download the one that grabs your attention for free and start listening. It's that easy. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash rivetingreads to check it out. Now on to the show. Hello, and welcome to the Riveting Reads podcast, where each season brings you a serialized version of thrilling news stories, along with exclusive bonus content from the author. This is season one, Insomnia, book one of the Nightwalker series by J.R. Johansson, narrated by Roy Samuelson. New episodes are posting weekly on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Stick around after today's chapter for some author insights into the writing process behind this chapter with Insomnia's author, J.R. Johansson. Hi, I'm J.R. Johansson, and I'm here to give you a quick recap of episode 19, chapter 19 of Insomnia. In the beginning of last episode, we had Parker and Finn waiting in the car outside of Mia's therapy appointment. We learn that they've been following Mia around trying not to be seen by her so as not to scare her, but trying to figure out who else they should add to their list of suspects who might have sent her the threatening emails. They both agree that her therapist, Dr. Freeberg, should be added to the list. After dropping off Finn and realizing that the guy with the blind skull jacket is following him, Parker also adds him to the list. The next morning, Parker is confronted by his mom because she checked on him at 4 in the morning and he was gone. But Parker has no memory of having gone anywhere, so he doesn't know what happened. He lies and says he went for a walk, but inside he's panicking. He realizes that he is missing time and that he doesn't know what he's doing during that time. As Mia's nightmares are getting better and better and she's actually beginning to trust him more, Parker is starting to doubt whether he is actually trustworthy. And that's it for your recap of chapter 19. Stick around now for chapter 20 of Insomnia. Hope you enjoy. Insomnia, The Nightwalkers, written by J.R. Johansson, narrated by Roy Samuelson. 20. Are you sure about this? Addie asked from her spot in the middle of my resident sick room from the nurse's office. Today? Her eyes rarely lifted from what must have been the world's biggest first aid kit. She had all one million pieces of it spread out on the floor in front of her. In the past five minutes, she had packed, unpacked, reorganized, and was now packing it again, all while Finn walked around her in circles. They were making me dizzy. It looked like Addie's lower lip might start bleeding any minute from the way she kept biting into it. Can't wait any longer. It's almost Thanksgiving, and during fall break, making eye contact with her will be even harder than it already is. We need to do it while this latest dream is fresh in her mind. I leaned against the wall and studied the popcorn ceiling. Maybe it was reckless, but we were running out of time. My vision shook violently back and forth, and I closed my eyes. Over the last few days, different parts of my body had begun having full-on mini-seizures. Usually it was my eyes or my hands, but the other day my foot had gone crazy. The longer I went with less and less sleep, the worse they got. Mia's nightmares, while improving our relationship, were killing me. I told you about the dream last night. I shrugged my eyes still closed. Maybe it won't be as bad as we think. Mia's dream wasn't the only thing that had changed for the better last night. 
The floss, tying my wrist to the bed, was in one piece when I woke up. Drawing in a deep, shaky breath, I released it slowly. I had stayed in bed. After everything lately, it seemed like a good sign. Finn wouldn't stop pacing. His legs kept going like he was on a treadmill. If he slowed, he might stumble and fly off the back of it. I don't know, Addie muttered as she struggled to wrap her thin fingers around an enormous stack of gauze pads. She just started talking to me about the emails again. If we really want to help her, we can't afford to scare her off now. That's why you won't be a part of it. My eyes finally stopped their spasm and I slid to the floor, taking supplies from her hand and placing the pile in one of the containers. But things have been bad with her foster family lately. Mrs. Sparks is never home. Addie sighed and wrapped both arms around her knees, tucking them under her chin. I feel so bad for her. First there was the fire, which alone had to scar her for life. Then, I don't know. It'd be so hard to get stuck in the middle of some family you don't even know. Do you think anything weird is going on with Mr. Sparks? No. From the way he acts, I think he cares about her. They're just really busy. Mia doesn't like to talk about family much, and she refuses to discuss her parents. Addie closed her eyes and shook her head. No matter how many times I ask. It was quiet for a minute before I reached over and closed the massive first aid kit, stood, and pushed it onto the top shelf. We're never going to figure out who's threatening her if we don't convince her to let us see the emails. I'm going to try to talk to her. I think, after the dream last night, I might actually have a shot. If not, you're our backup plan. I extended my hand to Addie. As she came to her feet, I waited until her hazel eyes met mine. Remember, you know nothing about this. Play dumb, and it'll be fine. No worries. She does that constantly. Finn's laugh sounded weak and robotic, but I still appreciated the effort. He got to his feet and stood next to her. Addie smiled, then elbowed Finn in the ribs, hard, before looking back at me. I just hope you know what you're doing. Still rubbing his side, Finn led the way out of the office as the bell rang. His skin had paled, and his voice wasn't as steady as usual. So, the hallway behind the gym? Yeah, five minutes. He gulped and nodded before turning and disappearing into the throng of students surging through the hall. Addie grabbed my hand squeezed it once, and whispered, good luck, before releasing it, going back into the sick room and closing the door behind her. We'll dive right back into the story after this short break. This episode of Riveting Reads is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with the 30-day trial membership. The audiobook I'd like to recommend this episode is Truly Devious by Maureen Johnson. Ellingham Academy is a famous private school in Vermont for the brightest thinkers, inventors, and artists. It was founded by Albert Ellingham, an early 20th century tycoon who wanted to make a wonderful place full of riddles, twisting pathways, and gardens. A place, he said, where learning is a game. Shortly after the school opened, his wife and daughter were kidnapped. The only real clue was a mocking riddle listing methods of murder, signed with the frightening pseudonym, Truly Devious. It became one of the great unsolved crimes of American history. True crime aficionado Stevie Bell is about to begin her first year at Ellingham Academy, and she has an ambitious plan. She will solve this cold case. That is, she will solve the case when she gets a grip on her demanding new school life and her housemates. The inventor, the novelist, the actor, the artist, and the jokester. But something strange is happening. Truly Devious makes a surprise return, and death revisits Ellingham Academy. 
The past has crawled out of its grave. Someone has gotten away with murder. This sounds really good. I'm adding it to my audiobook library right now. So, whether you decide to go with my recommendation of Truly Devious by Maureen Johnson, or opt to select a different audiobook of your choice, you can get all set up by going to audibletrial.com forward slash rivetingreads. That's audibletrial.com forward slash rivetingreads to get your free audiobook. Hope that was a nice breather for you, because we now continue with Insomnia. The old benches stacked in the hallway smelled like wood marinated in sweat and Gatorade. I perched on the edge of one, waiting. It was the reason I had picked this spot. First, no one ever came here. The hallway dead-ended at the back entrance to the gym, so it was used to store old equipment. Second, if I sat on this bench, she'd never see me until they were already here. Was it sneaky and underhanded? Probably. Did I care? No. I needed some place I could trap her for a few minutes, just long enough to make her listen to me. A shudder ran down my spine at the general creepiness of that thought, but I shrugged it off. I repeated the mantra I had been practicing lately. I'm not a monster. I'm not a monster. I'm not a monster. Of course, it would be easier to believe that if I hadn't woke up all those mornings with the dental floss on my wrist ripped in half, but there were other explanations for that. There had to be. Ones that didn't make my hair stand on end. Ones that didn't make me feel like maybe my friends would be safer if I told everyone the truth and someone locked me away in a white room with padded walls. I took a deep breath. How could I figure out who was threatening Mia if she wouldn't trust me? Helping her was my goal. By definition, that made it less creepy, right? Footsteps sounded in the hallway and I froze, listening. And Addie said to meet her here? Mia sounded more than skeptical. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was here. I could hear the guilt in Finn's voice from down the hall. He was officially the worst liar ever. With a shake of my head, I got to my feet, but I waited until the footsteps reached the end of the hallway before I stepped out. Mia's initial reaction was pretty much what I expected. Her eyes widened and she opened her mouth to scream. I stepped forward and held up my hand. Mia, I just want to talk to you for a few minutes, please. She glanced between Finn and me before she sighed, closed her mouth, and nodded. There are students and teachers everywhere. They'll all hear me if I scream. She sat down on the bench and dug her cell phone out of her jeans pocket. With several glares at me for emphasis, she dialed 911 and left it open on her lap. You have five minutes. Finn has to leave, though. I don't like being outnumbered. If you touch me or even look like you're thinking about it, I'll scream as loud as I can and push call at the same time. Got it? Finn's eyes were gigantic as he turned to face me. When I nodded, his breath came out in a gush. Um, I'll go then. I promise, Mia, he won't hurt you. I wouldn't have brought you here if I thought there was any chance he would. Mia turned her frosty gaze on him and shrugged. You're his best friend. I don't exactly trust your opinion. Addie's going to kill you for bringing me here. Yep. Finn winced. See ya, man. Good luck. Thanks. I turned to take a seat beside her, but she cleared her throat and frowned, hovering one finger above the call button. With a jerk of her head, she indicated the opposite end of the bench. When I had sat where she directed, she lifted her finger from the phone and turned her eyes back on me. Mia was acting tough, but it was hard to miss the tremor that ran across her shoulders. After the last week of dreams, it was painful to think I still scared her that much. 
I had hoped it would be different now, but I couldn't hold on to that optimism while she looked at me like she thought I had a chainsaw stashed behind my back. I need to tell you something, and it's really hard to believe, but it's true. I spoke soft and slow, keeping my hands where she could see them. I tried to remember all the pieces of the speech I'd run through a dozen times in my head. I'm sorry I've been such a freak, from pretty much the moment we met. I cleared my throat, trying to make the dryness go away. You said I was on drugs once, and you were kind of right. I was addicted. Mia's eyes widened, and the flash of relief on her face gave me hope. The problem is that my addiction is you, or actually, your dreams. I shook my head as a wave of confusion and panic crossed her face. Everything was coming out all wrong. My addiction is you? Man, that phrase had things a serial killer would say written all over it. What the heck was wrong with me? My brain and my mouth were refusing to communicate. What I mean is, I watch dreams. I've seen yours, a lot of them. You used to have dreams all the time about these beautiful places. Now the words were tumbling out fast, almost too fast to make sense but at least I was kind of explaining. And you were painting or trying to paint, and you wore this white dress. Mia gasped and got to her feet, but I saw it coming and moved in front of her, blocking her path. I wrapped one arm around her back and covered her mouth with my hand. Her phone fell and clattered across the floor. The words slipped out of my mouth and a dark shiver ran through me. Terror poured from her eyes as she struggled against me, but I was so much stronger. It wasn't even that hard to hold her in place, and no one was here to help her. No one but me. Horror filled me, and I felt sick at how close this situation felt to the one in her nightmares. I released her and stepped back. No, this wasn't me. I wouldn't let it be. I couldn't. I fought the fire in my chest, forcing my lungs to breathe. I'm not done. You have to listen to me. No, I don't. She pushed against me, trying to get past. I can't believe you talked to Dr. Freeberg. That's just... You're just... What do you mean? In my confusion, she almost snuck past, but I grabbed her wrists and held them to my chest. Please, just listen to me. I know who Dr. Freeberg is, but I've never talked to him. Mia leaned away with all her weight, frantically trying to wriggle her hands free. Let go! All you've ever done is lie! I brought both her wrists together between my hands and barely resisted the urge to pin her against the wall and force her to hear me. The darkness within me flared, and I felt like throwing her away from me to keep it from gaining any ground. Her eyes flew up to mine, and I stared into hers, trying to show her I was sincere. Mia, I swear to you I'm telling the truth. What would it hurt to listen to me? I promise I won't ask for anything more. Haven't you already done enough? Tears welled in her eyes, and my heart sank. I released her and sank down to the bench. She was right. I couldn't stand to see her look at me that way anymore. She stood frozen in place, so I made one final plea, my voice cracking with desperation. Please, listen, and then you can go, I promise. Fear and pity seemed to have chosen her eyes for a battlefield. After a few seconds, pity won, and she sat back down. Fine. Talk. Straddling the bench, I turned to face her. I could see it in everything about her. This was it. The last chance I would ever get. I needed to make it count. 
I can prove it, if you let me. I know about the nightmares, too. I know about the monster you see, how he chases you, and how you're afraid of fire. I know how he says he'll make you love him. I studied my hands and barely noticed how tightly they were clenched. I tried to remember everything, any small detail that might convince her to believe me. I know. In your dreams, it's me. And I... I hurt you, but that's not me. I'm... I'm the other one. My breath was coming out in panting bursts now, but I couldn't stop it. And I know about your parents and the fire, how you were on the lawn crying. I'm so sorry. I stopped, wondering what I might have missed. Can I talk now? Are you done? I looked up at her, but her face was unreadable. I nodded. If what I had said so far didn't convince her, nothing would. The fact that she had listened this long was a minor miracle. I'm going to leave now, and you're going to let me. Mia got to her feet, and I stood too. Her voice was slow and deliberate, but her legs shook so bad she almost couldn't stay upright. And you're never going to talk to me again. Those nine words felt like a hundred very small and extremely sharp axes to my gut, each one drawing blood. Taking a faltering step back, I leaned against the opposite wall, fighting the urge to crumble to the floor. So you don't believe any of it? How would I know all that? How would anyone? I don't know how you convinced Dr. Freeberg to tell you about my therapy, but this needs to stop right now, or I'm calling the police. No more emails. No more talking to my therapist. No more getting Addie to tell you about my past or my family. Mia spat the last word out with venom so forceful it shocked me. What about the nightmares, the things the stalker said? My mind rebelled against the realization she had an explanation for everything. Mia reached into her backpack and shoved a crumpled up piece of paper into my hand. There was only one person who would know about those, Parker. The monster that sent them to me. She grabbed her phone off the floor, turned, and walked away. My brain searched for anything else that could help. My voice trembled and I slumped down on the bleachers. But I did it because I'm dying. She didn't even turn around when she shouted, Good! Her response echoed around me as everything seemed to move through a dense fog. I opened up the crumpled paper she had put in my hand. It was a printed copy of an email from chip8 at gmail.com. My email address was chip18. It said, The fire will help me seduce you. It won't be long until we can be together. I'll make you love me. The fire will make you love me. If you don't, it means you're broken. I'll find a way to fix you. I dropped the paper to the floor. The pounding in my head was so loud I could hear every heartbeat like a marching band clanging in my brain. As I watched Mia's stiff form walk down the hall, I saw the shadow of someone following behind her. I took a step. It was him. It had to be. I had to warn her. As I opened my mouth to yell her name, the words caught in my throat, and I choked on all the lies my life had become. The shadowy figure stepped into the light. Tall, messy black hair, loose-fitting jeans. I recognized the familiar walk. I blinked, knowing it must be my imagination. 
He nearly caught up with her before I finally rubbed my eyes and looked again. Darkness splintered into a thousand shadows before melting into the gloomy corners of the hallway. Thanks for listening to the Riveting Reads podcast, Season 1, Insomnia. New podcast episodes will be available every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you're not the patient type and want the full book now, you can find the audiobook on Audible Podcasts or the paperback version on Amazon. Stick around for some author insights from J.R. Johansson about the chapter featured in this episode. Hi, I'm J.R. Johansson, and welcome to the Authorly Insights section on Chapter 20. This chapter gives us a glimpse of hope, followed by a pretty dark moment for Parker. He's finally laid out his case for Mia. He's told her everything, and all the proof he has for why she should believe he isn't the monster that she thinks he is. And she has reasons to dismiss every single point. As humans, it can feel like a literal gut punch to build up to a moment like this and have it go so wrong. Parker has a lot of these scenarios, but this one is particularly bad for him. Because of everything that he did earlier in the story, Parker is kind of on an endless journey to fix what he broke. In some ways, Parker has to redeem himself in Mia's eyes in order to believe that he himself is worth redemption. As we see in this chapter, not only is he not there yet, he knows he is rapidly running out of time to achieve it. Now, as I was writing this, it was really important to me that we put these two things together. He has this goal, he has this ticking time clock. This really puts pressure on him. It really amps up the tension on the story and on this character. Parker desperately wants to prove that he is not the monster that he's afraid he might be, both to himself and to Mia. And he needs to do it before he runs out of time. And that really amps up the intensity in the story. And that's it for the Authorly Insight section on Chapter 20. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next episode. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Riveting Reads. Please check out details for our reader appreciation program in the podcast notes or on rivetingreadspodcast.com. Also, a reminder that we're still a new podcast and we would love to hear from you. Please subscribe as well as rating and reviewing in your podcast app. Thanks, and we'll see you in a few days for the next episode.